Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Still Giggs goes. He's through. He scored. Ryan Giggs. He's at the goal that's played for Manchester United. To the left. Right footed. It's a clear header. And then the middle left. Stockdale has won the European Cup. Hello there folks, welcome back once again to the Stretty Cast, the Manchester United podcast for StrettyNews.com and uh, well the dream is over if the dream was for us to scrape into the top four each and every year, an Arsenal like dream um, from now until the end of time. Uh, of course as has always been the case since we started doing these podcasts again, another mixed bag of a week for Manchester United, um, we saw qualification for our f- I believe is our first ever Europa League final um, in whatever guys it's come in. Sandwiched between two defeats in uh, North London to opposition of, let's just say, varying quality. Um, and I am joined this week by, first of all, um, Philip Morrissey. How are you doing, Phil? Good afternoon, folks. And I'm joined by Johnny Brooke. Hello, Johnny. Hello. Uh, it's good to have you on, guys. Um for the purposes of continuity, uh, we'll begin the podcast with a look back on Thursday night um, and the very narrow victory over Celta Vigo, Phil. Um, that sent us, of course, to uh, Stockholm in the Europa League final. Um, we took control of the game early on when Marouane Fellaini headed United in front of uh, an absolutely terrific cross. Is it Rashford played the ball in? Yeah, it was Rashford. Yeah. Absolutely superb ball into the box and a great run to the back post. It was just a cross, just waiting to be uh, just on a six-pence side. Yeah, it was superb. It's amazing the, the different facets that uh, Rashford has added to his game this season. And um, But, you know, you thought at that point United would go on and really assert control of the tie. The opportunity was there. Um, but they just sort of withdrew further and further back and allowed Celtic to equalise late on to set up a tense finish. And Phil, what do you make of the performance overall um, in that second leg? Do you think United were just a bit too cautious, especially when they went 1-0 up? Without a doubt. I mean, um, looking, I mean, that last five minutes after Celta Vigo equalised, 
there was there was serious amount of um, swearing going on. Like there was a serious uh, amount of tension, and uh, the chances that Celta contrived to to squander in that period, if one of those had gone in, it would have been it would have been all over. It would have been gone. The end of end of the season, end of our European dream. We were lucky in the fact that um, we got away with it in the end, but it shouldn't have come down to us. It was almost, in a way, it was almost like an anticlimactic finish to um, to qualify. There was, I think, in previous European campaign campaigns where we've got to finals, um, be it '99 or be it 2008 or be it uh, the the finals against Barcelona, they've qualified with a degree of swagger, a bit, bit of uh, style, and uh, there was a genuine excitement about going into the final, about reaching the final, whereas from Thursday night, there was, it was just, I suppose, a sense of, thank fuck we actually got there, like, we might actually have a, we actually have a chance of doing something nothing more than that it was there wasn't uh, there wasn't any boasting at all going on um, uh, I know the atmosphere in the ground at the end it looked incredible uh, uh, Jose's it was just a swathe of just a swathe of relief the entire ground just a collective sigh of few Thank Christ we, thank Christ we got through that. And the thing is, considering how well they played in the first leg, uh, and how well they played in the first half of that second game, we shouldn't have been hanging on at the end. By no means, like we. This time last week, we anticipated it was going. They were going to do something to uh, to foul it, to foul it up, uh, to to make it harder than what it was going to, than what it should have been, and so it proved. From from what should what well, what should have been an easy progress was a very tense and very tight scrape through at the end. Um, I I I can't. Why would you? Um, why, if you're on the front foot, sit back and allow a, a team like Celta Vigo, who are so they're so forward-looking, I suppose. Um, their defence not great. Their defence uh, isn't isn't their forte at all by any stretch of the imagination. But they're built around attacking and attacking well, like and attacking quickly. Why would you allow a team like that possession and position-wise in your own um, half? I don't know. Can you explain why what the uh, what the change was in that second half? Uh, I imagine. Well, this is the thing. So usually in this case you would say it was the manager, but it was very obvious Mourinho was urging the players to actually push up. You could see him gesticulating exactly. on the touchline. Push up, press on, get forward. 
And for whatever reason, they didn't have the confidence to go and do that. And I don't know what's going on there. For me, it's almost got to be like a psychological thing at this point, that the amount of one-off thrashings they've all played through this season, it's, it's got to be like being 1-0 up is like a massive fear factor. Cause it's like, how? How are we somehow going to make a bollocks of this one and end up in that we've again played comfortably well enough in that we should be two, three, four ahead and just doing testimonial stuff. Yeah. It's just it's where a line needs drawing under this season for them just to forget all about it. So I just think it's been happening for that long now that that they can't get their game together until they're at least two up and they finally start to relax and play the way we know they can in the games where they've actually got proper control of it. It just it seems really, really bizarre, but for me at least that's the only explanation, yeah. that they just they've they've learned to fear being one nil up because the amount of times home and away that they've been one nil up, comfortably controlling it, missed chances, opposition have had nothing, one attack, one shot, one all, away you go. Yeah, um, it was actually the reverse fixture back in, I'd say it was back in October against um, Spurs, where they hung on to win 1-0. You thought that was going to be the kind of, the breaking point, the, the theme actually saw, okay, we can actually hang on to win these kind of games. To be fair, for a good few weeks and months, that did really work because we went on that run where we were holding on to leads. If we conceded, we found that sort of Fergie-esque way of just nicking a cheeky winner like we used to do in the old days. It was like a Crystal Palace where they won. Yeah, there was sort of that eight-game after Spurs where it just seemed to be clicking together. But, you know, as the old adage goes now, we just basically didn't drop a point in two months and remained sixth. Sixth, yeah. And then the moment that all the teams that we've been gaining on suddenly start dropping points, we decide to stop winning as relentlessly. And it's just such a frustrating season because there are periods in it where we have been so, so far improved on the side that we were last season. It should be incredible and exciting and enjoyable and all the things that Disney used to explain happiness. Um, But instead, you're just left looking at a foot that's got like 400 bullet holes in it because the amount of times where, you know, there's nobody but ourselves to blame for the trigger that we've pulled and where we've aimed it because we've just thrown lead after lead after lead away but uh, yeah I mean as you said like the football compared to last year and yeah well compared to the last two true two or three seasons is vastly better yeah. without a doubt nobody can dispute that you'd yeah. have to be the most blinkered of uh, anti Mourinho uh, supporter yeah. to to dispute anything like that. It's just... Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that this season we've actually created more than we did in sort of the latter Fergie years. Probably, yeah. So games where we have created four or five clear playground-level chances in a game, 
and whether we played a keeper on the day of his life, woodwork that just hates us, combination of the two, magnets, or just shit finishing. You know, there's been so many factors that have just... Witchcraft. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, yeah, I might just start blaming that. Oh, it's not all bad luck. There's no way. If you miss that many chances, the the team's doing something wrong. You know what? The football has been better, but I'm gonna. Hold, I'm not holding truck with the fact that it's been vastly better. Um, vastly better than last season. I wouldn't say it was vastly better than the season before. And the football actually, Van Hal's first season was I actually thought was better than it was in his second season. Um, when for whatever reason it was utterly cowardly. It was the football's been all right this season. It's been good at times, but it's been far too inconsistent. There's a, there's the big games away from home and we'll get onto this later we've been w- way too negative way too negative and it's cost us the consistency has uh, hurt us badly and yeah. nobody can dispute that um, uh, but that's that's been the case for a lot of the sides around us as well but we have just been uh, we can't we can't claim that we would have deserved fourth place because we haven't been good enough. No, that's quite damning when you look at the standard of the league. Um, Eric Bay, DME, what a stupid thing to do. Now we could talk about John. We'll talk about John Gudetti in a minute because what happened to him at the very end of the game was hilarious and um, some sort of karmic justice. What are we going to do now that we have to deal with the Chuckle Brothers at the back for the final? One of them. One of them would blend. Fuck me. That's a scary fucking prospect, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus Christ, or even the two of them. Fuck them. Fuck knows. They, they probably, they'll probably run straight into each other in the first minute, knock each other out, and um, we'll have to play uh, Michael Carrick there instead. I mean, the, the good thing is that they are defenders of such limited intelligence that even if they got concussion, it wouldn't impact their performance in the slightest. It's just... I don't know how we've ended up in a position where we had Ferdinand and Vidic. We've got Smalling and Jones. It's like... I can't even... My analogy machine is broke because there's just nothing to compare that shifting class. It's just frightening. It's like watching a Scorsese movie and then watching... Michael Bay movie. Yeah. Mm. Or something of that ilk anyway, yeah. Uh, But it was... was, With two or three minutes ago, it was fucking... Ridiculous by Bay to to fall for what he did. What did Gudetti say? Do we still know what... what, Or whoever it was, do we still know what they said? Well, I'd seen footage where basically... Gudetti said something and it's like Bay's put his arm up and it's actually the other South lad that got sent off that's like thrown Eric's arm into his face. So he's got yeah. it hammed up but the actual contact comes from basically one of the other South players. He fell for the trap basically. Oh, cool. He should. That they just lined up that little honey trap and he went paws deep straight in it. Yeah. Yeah, Valencia could have easily gone as well. 
Valencia yeah. was um, very lucky as well. Um, but whatever was said, I don't know. We can't. Uh, we can't. That hasn't come out. There's been no. There's been no claim or counterclaim what uh, what what was said uh, or what wasn't said. So we, um, to to speculate wouldn't be fair. But he was stupid to to do what he did. Um, we're stretched enough at centre half. Never mind to be missing somebody of that quality. Yeah. Um. Ungodetti, he was saying that he was going to turn the city blue before the game, because obviously X-Man City as well, and Celta playing very similar colours, giving it all this nonsense. Um, on a scale of 1 to... On a scale of 1 to George Osborne being booed at the Olympic Games when he was presenting a medal, how hilarious was that miss of his at the end? It was, it was just... It was just fated, wasn't it? It was just fated. Yep. It was uh, perfect, perfect timing, comedic uh, in its uh, best sense. Um, if he he said he was going to turn Manchester blue, well, I'd say he was feeling fairly blue himself afterwards, and he was uh, fairly uh, fairly quiet afterwards, as you can imagine. That um, he was acting like a dickhead for the entire game. His uh, his histrionics uh, in getting by sent off. I personally, I don't. Uh, I by he shouldn't have been falling for that. Like, but he acted like an, an absolute bitch for that. And uh, he was um, going down uh, at any um, at any contact for for most of the game as well. He deserved what he got. Indeed. Um... It's just briefly could add to the final. We're going to preview this in more detail um, on this show just before, on the show the week before the final. Um, we'll, we'll look at this in more detail. But I guess the free-scoring Ajax team, um, it, was all but, it was confirmed at the weekend that they didn't win the Dutch League. Um, final pipped it. I think it was by a point in the end, but it did go down to the last day uh, because final got beat in the Rotterdam derby by Excelsior the week before, and Ajax romped to win against Go Ahead Eagles, who um, said Go Ahead put the ball in the back of the net a few times. But uh, they're a good side, this Ajax, and, and once again, it is a case of if United don't start quickly, we're going to be in trouble here, aren't we? Well, they were extremely lucky to get through to the final, if um, judging on their second leg performance against Leon. Um, well, they, I mean, you could say we were judging about our second leg performance yeah, as well. Yeah, true. But um, I suppose the the scale of the victory that they had achieved in the first leg, you would have thought that they would have been home and hosed and that the tie was completely over. As it was, uh, they were lucky to have got the early goal and to have hung on at the end. It just perhaps shows their um, slight inexperience, perhaps. Uh, they've got quite a lot of young players. Um, most of their squad is probably under the age of 24, 25. Um, um, average age of the squad is 21, I believe. Um, yeah. They've only got... Oh, it's only three players in the whole squad or in the, the sort of the 18... Is it, it's 18 now, isn't it? That, um, yeah. Yeah. 
out for the game that were over the age of 21, which is quite astonishing. I mean, obviously, Dolberg is, is, is one of the notables, and Traore as well, he was on loan from Chelsea. Um, he was yeah. terrific in the first leg. Um, you, I, I, what, one plus is that I don't have to deal with the fear of watching Alexander Lacazette running at Phil Jones and Chris Smalling. That prospect is horrifying. Should be horrifying to uh, any yeah. right-minded United fan. Well, to be honest with you, the the prospect of uh, you or me uh, running at uh, Phil Jones or Chris Smalling would uh, would cause palpitations amongst uh, most Reds fans. Nevertheless, um, we, we will review that in more detail uh, next time that uh, the final against Ajax. Just before we move on to <clears throat> Sunday's game with Spurs, because I'd like to try and put that one off as much as possible. There's a big story that pops up this week that um, UEFA, I think UEFA are now investigating um, the fee that was paid to Mino Riola over the transfer of Paul Pogba from Juventus, obviously, to Manchester United last summer. He was paid somewhere in the region of about £41 million, um, for that transfer. Um, I can't remember exactly how it works exactly. I believe um, Juve paid a fee out of what they received from United and then by some weird sort of backwards way then that fee circulated back with United and then back to Riola. I don't I can't work out the sort of the ins and outs of, of how that worked, but he received a massive amount of money anyway. And obviously this is being now investigated by UEFA, presumably because um UEFA's beaks weren't allowed to the UEFA weren't allowed to wet their beaks a little on this one as well. Um considering the state of them and FIFA at the moment. Um I'll go to you first, Johnny. Um, I mean, this has now become a huge debate over the role of agents and the money that is sloshing around in the game. There's a terrific piece of Football 365 by John Nicholson about money in the game. Now, I'm not, none, I don't think any of us are going to sit here and say, oh, they shouldn't be earning this kind of money, blah, blah, blah. But there is something slightly... No, in, in the current climate that we're, we're having to live in, both here in, in the UK and over in Ireland as well, with the austerity measures that both countries have had to suffer and much of Europe. There is something slightly nauseated about this amount of money, isn't there? Um, I think the main thing is that when you look at, let's call it your grassroots stuff, and you've got people, say, below the championship level that are just literally hand-to-mouth scraping by on peasant money, you compare that to basically one agent from one transfer that's probably making League Two's annual income. It's just, it's staggering just to think that for basically being the the admin assistant on a transfer of a guy who basically wanted to go back to Manchester, United wanted him back, all he had to do was tick the boxes and iron out the creases. And for that, he's made... Well, no member of his family is going to need to worry about working for a good few generations. So it, it's ridiculous that it happens, but it very much is the modern game now. There's always somebody somewhere going to make a fortune from doing very little. Do you not think that maybe, though, there should be much tighter regulations of this in place I mean should we not be getting to the point now oh, where yeah. it's more really just lawyers and accountants handling these deals rather than yeah. just some guy because literally anyone could be a football agent and get an agent licence it's oh, very very easy you or I could do it we could set up an agency yeah. me and you could set up one tomorrow well, that's very unregulated 
De- definitely, there's something that needs addressing. But the problem is, when a club decides that they want a player, they know now that agents have got so much power that you know it's only the one that's going to make it beneficial to the agent that he's going to get the player that so many sides will be after. And unfortunately, while they've got that much power, it's difficult to see it being any other way because as soon as that then is basically stepped in, stemmed, they'll just find some other little loophole way of having their pockets lined. There'll always be some little snide legal expert that'll know some way of working around it. It's like I say, it's not a good thing and I'm not entirely happy that, you know, what, probably more than we spent in the last couple of summers under Fergie is money that somehow went to an agent, like I say, just for doing admin stuff. It's just such a a weird scenario to get my limited resources head round. Indeed. Um, I'll just throw one more number out there. On his new contract at Sheffield United, Chad Evans is going to be earning £10,000 a week. So, um, Yeah. He doesn't even deserve fucking 10. No, he doesn't. Um, uh, he, he, he deserves 10 something. It's 10 years, but we'll leave that one. You two all make your minds up about what you should be getting. Nevertheless, it's a remarkably complex issue, but there's no question, I think, in my mind. Uh, Mike, was, wasn't um, the major issue about uh, the transfer of uh, Pogba to Juventus in the first place um, didn't Ferguson actually come out and criticise the behaviour of uh, Manola yeah the, pr- the problem with Ferguson doing that there was some there was some rather murky issues surrounding Paul us signing Paul Pogba in the first place when he was yeah. about 15-16 years old so it's a bit pot kettle isn't it it is yeah. indeed um, and considering the money that they were asking for then that was really peanuts compared to what we're paying them now. So maybe if we'd have paid him that money and kept him, he'd be on very, very good money now, but he probably wouldn't be on as much and we wouldn't have had to pay 90, 91 million pounds to get him back. Um, so, uh, you know, not that I'm complaining we've got him back because he is terrific and um, he really he's one of those players who does fit a United shirt very well. I think we all kind of anticipated that Manola was going to profit massively from this transfer. Yeah. From the get-go. Yeah, and he transferred uh, the other three players over to the club, didn't he, in the summer as well, by Mkhitaryan and Ibrahimovic? Yeah, he he managed pretty much our entire transfer last summer. Yeah, he was essentially our director of football. Must have been him. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, we'll move on from that. Um, I'd love to come back to that discussion now at some point because um, that could be a podcast for itself. However, there was a game on Sunday, as much as we probably wished that there wasn't. And um, as Johnny highlighted in our last podcast, why is it that we always seem to be playing London teams in their last ever games at their respective grounds? Admittedly, the, um, the the whole experience at White Hart Lane was nowhere near as nauseating or um, disgusting as the experience at, up, at uh, the bowling ground or Upton Park or whatever you want to call it last season with West Ham. Um, I mean, the game itself, Johnny. I mean, it's one point from a possible nine in the league for United. Is is that? I mean, it wasn't a good performance, was it? 
No. No, I, I think it's it's one of those performances that frustrated me massively because although we offered no fluid rhythm through the middle, that when we got the ball and we could break, much like against Arsenal, no one had any ability to pick that pass out that actually made use of the space that we could play into. It, it just it agitated me greatly because... You know, you've got a talent as big as Martial up top on his own against some of the classiest defenders that this league has. And you're expecting the lad to somehow, with just long balls that he's then got to chase, find space, find something to do. You know, he's had two incredible efforts from nothing angles that are sort of inches wide of the far post and... It just saddens me that we've got a lad of such phenomenal talent and it's just the supporting cast around him, captain included, is um, failing quite drastically. It was only really in that second half period when the likes of Mkhitaryan came yeah. on that they showed any potential yeah. of actually getting anything from the game. But by that stage, it was probably all done and over yeah. with. Fair point. Because like you say, once... Once that bit of quality that we've been resting came on, we did start to make some progress. Martial, even though he'd gone wider, because he was actually getting some quality service into his feet that allowed him to use the skills he's got, he gave them more of a challenge, more of a test, and laid on the city that I don't care what anyone says. Rooney stabbed if it is going about three foot wide if it doesn't hit the Tongan. And I know I've got all my gripes and what have you, but that's just genuine goals for me, that when you look at the way that that's come off his shin, that isn't an angle where it's going to go inside that far post. But again, you know, the chance to miss it or score it has been created by somebody getting some decent service into the young lad and him doing what we know he can do. Indeed. Uh, is there a danger here, uh, Phil, of momentum being lost going into that Europa League final with Jose not caring about the league. It's kind of hard to just pick up yourself for a big game and win when you've been losing games left, right and centre, isn't it? Well, we haven't had momentum for the last two months, have we? Well, yeah, I mean, we barely scraped through by the skin of our teeth into that final. (sighs) I mean, all United fans want the season to end uh, league-wise. Since that... But since that's once again, basically, where they just said like, "Nah, we're we're not we're not bothered with this anymore." Like uh, we couldn't we couldn't care less. Like um, it's been that they haven't been interested. Uh, there's been no there's been no um, sense that we want to kind of build and kind of um, go into the final with some sort of sense of. Um, uh, confidence or some sort of sense of uh, having a sense of um, I suppose going in with a degree of knowing what they want to do basically uh, playing as with a playing how they want to play um, having a, a, a structure set up and a team built to actually to win games and 
to, to deal with major challenges. Nobody, um, you can't, you can't say that any of the performances in the league have um, could, if any of the players playing in that sense, if they play that way in any of the European games in that final, they'd probably get battered. Do you think that attitudes come from the manager? I mean, I don't mind him rotating his squad if he really stresses the importance of them winning game to game and the importance of them challenging for places in that final. I mean, I'm not entirely blaming the manager because as a player, if, you, if you're one of the squad players who's not making the first 11 as much as you'd like, you should be thinking to yourself, hey, you know, I've, there's a final here and there's places up for grabs. I really need to be pressing my case to be in that final. Um, particularly players like Alex Twenswe uh, and Ashley Young and um, well, to, to be fair Twenswe wasn't bad actually in that game yeah, he was one no. of the plus points um, along with Bay, which is more frustrating that Bay was so good because he can't play I mean we can't uh, it's, it's from I mean can we see Rooney even in the squad Will will Matt will will Mata come back into the side? Is he going to be fit enough? Well, he needs games, doesn't he? We've got three games left, haven't we? Two, including the final, yeah. Including the final, yeah, yeah. We've got Southampton on Wednesday, and I can see Mata getting an hour in both just to get some mileage in his legs before the final. But if you if let's say you don't play somebody like Pogba and in those two games. Is he going to be match ready? I would play him for an hour against Southampton. I wouldn't play him against Palace, though. Give him a rest against Palace. But the thing is, like, you're going out at Old Trafford in your final game of the season, which you've been so poor for most of the campaign, and you're playing squad and reserve players. Does that, does that fill the Old Trafford faithful with any degree of positivity for next year no <laughs> is that um, uh, I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for but um, I don't have um, I mean we'll have to see well, see what happens it's, it's a truthful answer is it yeah I think so I mean, I mean uh, this is this is why this partly where this Europa League fans so important it's not just about winning a trophy you win that it puts a whole different spin on this season um, I was going to do a preview of the Palace game, but we've won way over for time this week, so we're not going to be able to do it. Um, but um, can I get a couple of quick score predictions from you guys about that Palace game? First of all, from you, Johnny. No, no. Phil? 1-0 uh, United. Um, yeah, I'm going to say 1-0 United as well. It's going to be very good, but there we go. Well, thanks for joining us once again, everybody, this week. And um, thank you to Phil and Johnny for once again joining me on the panel. First of all, uh, Phil, where can everybody find you and all your work? Yeah, uh, bits and pieces up on Stradicast. Um, a few uh, the uh, Celta Vigo thing seemed to have gone down well. Uh, congrats to Johnny Brock for that piece on uh, Rooney as well, by the way. Um uh, also, just on Facebook under facebook.com forward slash the lofty dog and uh, on Twitter under twitter.com uh, forward slash Philip E M O W R I S S E. 
and uh, bits and pieces on Metal Ireland, uh, Ireland Metal Archives, and overblown.co.uk. Okay, and uh, Johnny, where can everybody find you? Uh, yep, um, as mentioned there on Stretty News, for any of the things that I need to get off my United chest, uh, most recently the one about sort of love, loathing, and all of their emotions for Rooney. Um, you can find us most likely on Twitter, just at Beardmon. And yeah, that's me. Excellent. And uh, I am, of course, uh, Mike Northern Northern Loudmouth. You can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Loudmouth and on Facebook at the Northern Loudmouth as well. Um, thanks for joining us this week, everybody, and we'll see you again next week. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.